Turn your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13 this morning. As you look at the book of Romans, you understand that it's a powerful book written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. It's kind of obvious, Rome, Romans, so you can kind of understand that. But as we look back through this book, we find that Paul is trying to, again, help this church become a more established church in the faith of what he was teaching them. His teaching was by salvation, by faith alone, emphasizing that, again, salvation was not just for the Jewish people, but was for the Gentiles as well. And I'm thankful for that because I'm not a Jew, I'm a Gentile, and that salvation is offered to all people. Many of us have heard or gone through what is called, uh, normally called the Romans Road. Uh, again, a verses of Scripture that uh, allows us to get a better understanding of what salvation is all about. But coming into chapters 11 and chapter 12, we find here that again he's helping them understand their individual accountability of a Christian. That their duties that they have as a believer. Now again we must understand that God has given us some, some guidelines, some rules that we are to follow. Some duties that we are to fulfill in our lives. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 are very familiar passages in this idea of understanding the surrendered duties of each believer. But as we come to chapter 13, uh, the same thought processes continued on into this chapter. We find uh, the responsibility of a believer and, and what it is and how we are to live our life. What are we to do? At the end of chapter 13, Paul has brought them to a point of decision. He says, hey, I've, I've given you all this information. I've given you this, this doctrine. I've given you the beliefs. I've given you the understanding of all that you are to do, all that you are to know. Now it's time to make a decision. Now it's time for you to decide what are you going to do with the information that I've given you. Now let me throw this in as a side note. When we've been given information, whether it's through our own personal Bible study, whether it's through Sunday school or preaching or whatever the case may be, when we have been given information... We're going to be held accountable for what we do with it. We're going to stand before God and God says, Hey, uh, I've given you the information. Why didn't you do it? Oh, uh, well, it's because, uh, well, this guy. And it, we, we won't be able to give an excuse. He said, I've given you my word, the perfect word of, uh, that I have, the perfect law of liberty that it's referred to as. I've given you that. You've had four or five copies of it laying on every bookshelf in every room. Uh, you've got it on your phone, your tablet, your computer. You've got it in all these different places. You've read it, what are you going to do with it? And it's important that we understand that God has given us His Word. He's given us the instructions. What are we going to do with the information that we have been given? Uh, again, as we look here <clears throat> in Romans chapter number 13, this is where Paul was at. Paul was saying, look, I've given you these doctrines. I've given you these beliefs. Now it's up to you. What are you going to do with it? So I'm going to look here in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse number 11. Romans chapter 13, beginning of verse number 11, it says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. 
Here we find four decisions that need to be made each day to set ourselves up for spiritual success. How many of us here would want to say we want to live a successful Christian life? I would dare say probably all of us would want to raise our hand and say, Yes, I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. I want to live a life that is successful in the eyes of God. How can we do that? There's four things I want to identify here this morning uh, as we look at this portion of Scripture. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer and get started in the message this morning. Lord, again, we do thank you. Lord, for all that you've done for us, thank you for the time we've had to, to be able to praise your name in song. Thank you for allowing us to give of our tithes and offerings to, to, to bless in that area as well. But Lord, as we come to the preaching of your word, we come to the time most important before we open up your word, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray and ask that you would help us here to be attentive to everything that your word says. Lord, especially if someone is here this morning that is not saved. Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Lord, again, understanding their need of salvation. Lord, apart from you, we have no eternal life. We have only eternal death. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us, again, to be faithful, to listen to what you have for us. Directing God and use me this morning, Lord, that I would be your mouthpiece, that I would be your instrument to deliver this message. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The London firefighter strike back in 1978 made a, a, a big impact on their area and in, in all that they did. Uh, again, they were on strike and they uh, asked that the British Army would step in and fulfill the role that needed to be made there in the firefighting in the area of London. One day a woman had called and said she needed help rescuing her cat. So the British Army, of course, dispatched a group out and, and violently uh, did their job. They, they pulled the cat out and everything was great. Well, she was so happy, she invited them in uh, for a spot of tea. So they went in and had some tea and everything was great. And on their goodbyes, their, their great fellowship and enjoying each other's company, they ran over the cat and killed it. You may think, well, well, that's not a very good story. But that's exactly how we are sometimes in our Christian life. We would go to these great extents and doing all these things of getting all this information and knowledge, but yet we don't do anything with it. We come to Sunday school. We, we get books. We read. We, we study. We do all these things, but we don't apply what we hear. What's the point of getting all the biblical knowledge if we do nothing with it? The whole point in having that understanding is so we can apply it to our lives, so we can be better Christians, so we can do what God would have us to do. But too many times, people will come to church just to say they've been to church, just so they can say, yes, I'm a Christian, or because mom and dad said so, or whatever the excuse may be. But what are we doing with the information that we've been getting? Again, we understand that the Word of God is here for us. It's helped us uh, develop us, direct us in every way, in every decision we have in life. But do we ever go back to it and ask for its help, for God's direction on what we're to do and how we're to do things? Again, we don't get knowledge just to say we have knowledge. We are to get it to be able to apply it. And what was Paul uh, wanting to, to get to this point of them understanding that? Uh, again, Here's the, all the, the information. Here's all the things you need to know. And he was uh, delivering it to them and giving it to them. Now it was up to them to say, what am I going to do with it? 
What am I deciding to do with this idea of salvation? What am I deciding to do with the area of sanctification and surrender that Paul was preaching about and teaching about here? It's time for you to make a decision. They brought him to the point of making that decision. What is it that we need to do to set ourselves up for success? Number one this morning is found in verse number 11, and that is to awake. Awake, very simple, awake. Awake out of sleep. Awake out of your slumber. Awake and do what it is that we are called to do. This is something that each one of us do every morning, or maybe afternoon, depending on who you are. We all awake. We all wake up. Again, we are required to wake up if we want to enjoy another day. I believe Paul was using this as an analogy to relate to our spiritual life, to our spiritual well-being. He said, you're spiritually asleep. Many of us here have teenagers or have had teenagers in our homes. And we understand what it's like trying to wake up a teenager sometimes. And if you've never had that, then maybe you have been a teenager where you understand you want to sleep all the time. But that's the one thing it's hard to do is get them to wake up. Hey, we've got to go. We've got things to do. Wake up. And God is saying the same thing to us. Hey, wake up! We've been spiritually asleep for so long that we are not doing what God has called us to do. There are many believers today that are spiritually sleeping, thinking they have all the time in the world. I can sleep as long as I want. It's okay. God, God has something for me, sure, but when I wake up, I'll be ready. Or when it's my time, it's okay. Spiritually speaking... God has given us a task to do. He's got a job for us right now. But too many times we are asleep, not following what God wants us to do. We have closed our eyes to what is going on in the world around us, thinking everything will be all right. Everything will be great if I would just stay asleep. You ever feel that way sometimes? You're having trouble and trials in your life, and you just want to stay asleep. You want to stay in bed. You don't want to get out and face the trials of life. As a believer, we've got a lot of trials going on around us. There's a lot of things that are happening in our world today, and it's getting darker and darker as we live. But believers can't simply just go to sleep and expect everything to go back to normal. We've got to learn to be awake, to put on the light of Christ as strong as it once was. We wonder why America has turned in the way it has. Are we a, a Christian nation? Wasn't our, our, our country founded on the beliefs we found in the Word of God? Yes. But what has happened between then and now? People are no longer being awake, no longer striving to do what God has called us to do. We have become dark and darker in this world because there is no light that is shining. We have not been able to stand for what is right. We would rather go with the flow of the world instead of swim against the current as God has called us to do. It's more important than ever that we stand for what the Bible says and what it teaches. To be that example to those around us that we can be His light. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 16 tells us, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's not our light, but God's light. But we have to get awake. We have to be active in showing that light. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that the labor is not in vain in the Lord. God says, I've got something for you to do. I want you to stand strong. I want you to stand with your light uh, revealed so everyone can see. Take a stand 
and hold your ground on what you understand and believe the Word of God teaches. Again, the ones that are crying today are the unbelievers. The ones that are crying out today and making as much noise are, are those that are in the world. And as they say, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We as Christians oftentimes are just sitting back quiet, expecting, well, the Lord's going to take care of it. Oh, the Lord's going to be good. We find throughout Scripture that we need to stand up. We need to stand for what we believe and make sure people know it. We are to proclaim His Word. We can't do that when we're sitting back asleep, not doing anything. We also understand and know that in that text it mentions the second coming of Christ. We are nearer today than we were when we believed. No one knows when the Lord will come back. No one knows when the tribulation will happen. This is why we must be ready at any time. Think of what Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 25 about the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. The foolish virgins did not prepare themselves for the return of the bridegroom. And in Matthew 25 verse number 5 it says, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. We know that we are closer to the second coming of Christ today than we were yesterday. We may not know when He's going to come back, but we do know from Scripture that He will return. We may ask ourselves, why should we even worry about it? If you're saved this morning, you say, well, I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card. I'm good. Why should I worry about it? Why should I be concerned about it? Again, if we were to go back and look at the rest of uh, the book of Romans prior to this, we understand that we are to live a life that is pleasing to God, that is, uh, again, showing the goodness of God, reflecting Him in everything we do to appoint people to Christ so they can enjoy the salvation that we enjoy. Do you not enjoy your salvation this morning? Are you not thankful that you have an eternal home in heaven? If not, then something's wrong. And that's exactly what we're to show other people. We're to express that light. We're to show them the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why God has left us here on this earth. It would be one thing if we got saved and He called us home right then, but that didn't happen, right? We got saved. He said, I've left you here because I've got a task for you to do. I've got a job for you. And I want you to go out and I want you to share the message that I've given you. I want you to share that message of salvation so everyone can enjoy it. But too many times I think we, we pawn that off on someone else and we don't think it's our responsibility. But that's exactly what we are to do. We're to, to share our testimony. Are you ready? Are you able? If somebody asks you right now, can you tell me your salvation testimony? Would you be able to give it? There's a lot of people today that say, well, uh, 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 well, they're not ready, they're not able, they're not prepared. But we need to be ready to give any man an answer of the reason of the, the hope that's within us, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us. You say, well, I can't give my testimony. Let me ask you this, do you have a track on you? That's why we buy them, that's why they're back there on the track rack. Because there's some people, like me, who get tongue-tied. I get tongue-tied all the time. So this is why it's important, you just, here, have a track. Here, will you read this when you get a chance? Hey, when you get on break uh, at work, hey, can you, can you read this? Do you leave them where other people can pick them up? That's what we're to do. Again, that's a different way of, of showing the gospel to other people. But that's exactly what God has called us to do. We're to share that message of salvation 
so others can understand it, so others can get the opportunity to be saved. Be ready, be prepared, and have those things available so God can use them. When God lays it upon your heart to do that, oh, I, I don't have any. We've got to prepare ourselves. So let me encourage you. When you leave today, go by the track rack. Grab, grab a couple with the intention of handing them out during the week. The second decision that we must make every day in order to have that spiritual success is to abandon darkness. Number two is abandon darkness as we find there in verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. God has given us new opportunity with each dawning of a new day. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. We shouldn't live in past failures of life because we can't change yesterday. We will live, in, we will live a life of regret as we are always dwelling on the mistakes of our past. The idea of casting off darkness, as mentioned in verse number 12, is eliminating the sin in your life. John chapter 3 and verse number 19 says, And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. We sin in darkness because we don't any, want anyone to see what we are doing. We want to hide it from the world, but God sees all things. Do we want success in our daily Christian walk? If so, we need to set ourselves up for success by eliminating those things. Which cause us to sin. Now you know what it is for your life. Everyone is a little different. Everyone's got different things in their life. That will distract them or cause them to go off track. So it's something that each individual must do themselves. Do we want success in our daily Christian walk? If so, then we need to eliminate those things. Get rid of them. So it won't cause us to fall and fail. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 says. This I say then walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Cast off the darkness and cling to the light by putting on the armor of light. Ephesians chapter number 6, we find Paul giving the instructions for the church to put on the armor of God. As believers, that is something we must do every day. We believe that we are in a spiritual battle every day of our lives. So we've got to learn to put on that armor. Look back with me to Ephesians chapter 6 if you would. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. How can we have the power of His might? Only by putting on the whole armor of God. Not just a few pieces, not just once here and there, but we need to put on the whole armor. Why is it that God is telling us to put on the whole armor of God? Because we have an enemy. And our enemy does not fight fair. Now we understand if, if you were to go back and study, even in war today, we have certain rules. Did you know that? There are rules in war. And you think, how is that possible? If I can drop a bomb on somebody and blow them up, how is that not breaking a rule? There are certain rules in war that we must follow. There are uh, the Geneva Convention. There are different rules set up through NATO and things like that that they are to follow. 
And you ever wonder why this war in Iraq has gone on for so long? It's because others do not fight by those same rules. Satan does not fight by any rules at all, except for what he wants to do. So this is why, again, we're to put on that whole armor of God, because it's critical for us to be protected. Every day the Lord gives you uh, something. He gives you a new day. He gives you a way of waking up. He gives you a day that you can serve the Lord. And in doing so, we've got to make sure we're prepared and we're ready. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to guide your steps. Ask Him to guide your words, your thoughts, that it might be pleasing to Him. These are the things that we need to, to, to get rid of. The things that are going to pull us away from what God's desires are. Psalms chapter 37 verse 23 says, The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. We can't get worked up on chasing yesterday or worrying about tomorrow. But God has given us an opportunity today. Take it and do the best you can and live for Him. One author said this, You can't change the past, but you can ruin the present by worrying about tomorrow. And that's what many people do. They, they, they worry about yesterday of, of what happened and why it happened, and you can't change it. They're concerned about tomorrow, what's going to happen, and, and all that's going to happen next week, and so on and so forth. But we have not arrived there to even worry about it. And you ruin today because of that. Be ready today. Be prepared today. Set yourself up for spiritual success. We first, first must awake. Second, abandon darkness. And third, this morning, abide honestly. Abide honestly. Look with me at verse number 13 again. It says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Here in verse 13, the Apostle Paul instructs the church at Rome to walk honestly as in the day. Don't do things in secret or hide things, but walk and live in a way that everyone can see what is happening. When we walk honestly before men, then we have nothing to hide. Nothing can mis be misconstrued as being wrong or discredit our testimony. And living a life of honesty, others can see as being truthful, which allows our witness to be more reliable. Again, if we're trying to live as God wants us to live, we want others to see the salvation in our life. We want to live by faith and show the world what God has done in our lives. When we live like the world and act like the world and talk like the world, then we're no different than anyone else. So why is it they would want our salvation? Why is it that they would want something like what we have? This is why it's important to follow God, to live for Him and do what He wants us to do. Paul gives a list of things that we are to eliminate in our lives. First, he mentions rioting and drunkenness. And you may be saying to yourself this morning, well, I don't do any of those things. Well, what is it that is trying to give us the understanding of? It's the idea of excess, indulging in things that hinder our body and intoxicate our mind. If we were to follow Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, which says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is as excess, but be filled with the Spirit, then we are not allowing the poisons of this world to sway us in one way or another. We are to only allow the Spirit of God to influence and direct our ways. Many in Rome were constantly saturating themselves with different festivals, banquets, and pleasures. And many times these were done as forms of worship to other gods. 
So this is why Paul was, uh, again, pointing out specifically their rioting, their gathering, and their drunkenness, the things that they consumed in their bodies. We are to walk honestly. If we say we love God and we are one of His children, then we need not follow the ways of other religions or things that are against what the Bible teaches. This, of course, goes back to understanding and knowing the Bible. Read it, study it, meditate on it, allow it to change your heart and your life. Stop living like everyone else and start living for God. Allow Him to change your thoughts. Allow Him to direct your ways. Psalms 19.14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Paul next mentions the chambering and wantonness. These are two words that deal with varied forms of sexual impurities, such as fornication, unnatural lusts, and adultery. These are things we need to avoid. These are things we need to, to get rid of in our lives. Again, any form of worship in Rome at this time may have required these types of acts or these types of, of worships. Now we may say, well, again, these are something that I don't do. But this is a warning against anything that is related to this type of sin. This includes books, magazines, Websites, movies, songs, dances, gestures, anything that is creating those types of thoughts and those types of feelings. If we were to walk honestly, we know that God sees our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. So we must learn to surrender those things to God. Allow Him to help us overcome those sins in our lives. But lastly, Paul mentions there in verse number 13, is strife and envying. This is probably the, the most common of all the sins mentioned, but they are sins nonetheless. Many people easily justify their anger. Well, they blame it on this person, or that person made me do it, or, or this happened and that happened, and it's someone else's fault. But what are we allowing in our lives? What is it that we are allowing into our minds to, to cause us to go that way? Those are some things we need to think about. As believers, we have the power of Christ to help us overcome any of these problems and any of these sins. He tells us that we can do all things through Christ, but yet we use Him as an excuse to do what we want to do. There's a lot of Christians today that, that live this way, that give that excuse to live how they want. But Paul said that's not the way it should be. Matter of fact, if you go back and look in Romans chapter 6, look there if you would, a couple of chapters back. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he gives us a very good reason for not doing so. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we to continue to sin just so we can see God's grace upon us? He says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We're to put away those things. It does not give us uh, a license to sin. Just because we live in the age of grace, because we live in this dispensation that God has blessed us and helped us, doesn't mean we're to live however we want. And there are a lot of people that believe that. Well, I can do whatever I want and just go back on church on Sunday, ask for forgiveness, and everything will be okay. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. So again, we're to, to get this strife and this envying out of our life completely and follow what God would have us to do. Now let's look at the final decision mentioned in our text, and that is to adorn 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 14. Put on ye, and put, excuse me, put, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Each morning, most people awake and prepare the new day by putting on a fresh set of clothes. At least I hope they do. That's the idea we have as this same idea that Paul is giving to us spiritually. That we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day we are to don His, his righteousness. To, to put on His robe and walk this life and do what He's called us to do. We understand that Paul is speaking here of, of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are to have that spiritual renewal every day. I briefly mentioned Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 earlier. And it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We have had a night of rest. We've allowed our minds and our bodies to, to reset, if you would. And as we awake the next day, we are to put in our minds the things that drive us, the directions that we are to go. If we were to take time to read the Word of God, first thing in the morning, I think it would put the right things and set the precedent for the rest of the day. Would we allow the troubles and problems of this life to come into our minds? Then that sets our thoughts on that day. The thoughts of discouragement and despair. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, which was last week's memory verse, says... And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Every day that's what we're to put on. Every time we get up, we're to put that on. Set ourselves up for spiritual victory. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But also remove those things that will draw us away from God. Each day we are driven by different desires. Some have a desire of financial gain. Others have the idea of recognition. We all have different things that drive us. We have to understand what is it that's going to take us and pull us in the wrong direction. Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 1 reminds us that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. What is it that is holding you back from drawing closer to the Lord? Every day we are to see how close we can get. Every day we are to be closer to God than we were the day before. Understand this, we are to set up some boundaries in our lives. We are to set up some guidelines that we are to follow to set ourselves up for success. If we don't, then it's much easier to fall off and fall away from God. So as you get up in the morning, as you study your Bible and read and pray, uh, set up some guidelines in your life that will help you to follow the right path. Can you imagine trying to run a race and not having a map on where to go or how to get there? That's the same way in our Christian life. God says, here, I've given you my map. You've got to learn to follow it. You've got to learn to read it to understand the map and go in the direction I would have you to go. Without establishing those limitations... That we are making provision to fulfill the lusts that drive us, that draw us away from God. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 10 says this. And I put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. God wants us to follow his image. God wants us to be renewed in his likeness each and every day. 
So what is it that we must decide to do each day to set ourselves up for spiritual success? We are to awake. We are to abandon darkness. We are to abide honestly. And we are to adorn the Lord Jesus Christ. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Well, those four simple things that we could do would help us follow Christ. But the problem is, is putting those plans into action. We understand that we've got an enemy. We have someone that's trying to defeat us every minute of every day. He doesn't want us to follow these steps. He doesn't want us to, to have that victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse number 33, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I've given you an example. I've given you some help to overcome those problems. John tells us that we can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. So again, we find it throughout the Word of God that we have helps to guide us, to direct us, to have that victory in our lives if we would simply follow the commands given to us through His Word. Setting ourselves up for spiritual victory is done through the Lord Jesus Christ. Make the decision every day to follow Him and to have, allow Him to have free reign in your life. Holy Spirit, directing guide me today. Help me today think on the right things, say the right things, go the right places, and do the right things. I remember as a kid we used to sing a, a song about our hands and our eyes and our feet and doing those things that were pleasing to God. Asking Him to help us. As an adult, we need to go back and sing that same song. We need to go back and have that same mentality. That same thought of following and doing what God would have us to do. What is it that you can do to set yourself up for success? Simple. Follow these four things. And that's a start in the right direction. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. What is it that is keeping you from daily 